on the last episode. That's an 11. That's better than my three. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he seems to trip and go under the water. And then he does not come back up for a second before your head goes under too, you can see something in the water with Bernie from the light of the flashlight that is still in Alistair's hand um, there are eyes reflecting light in the dark water below welcome listeners to Dark Tides a fortnightly improvised audio drama series that uses role playing game mechanics I'm your host, show creator and narrator Aubrey Lydon Before we get started this session, I'd just like to issue a content warning. This show regularly includes themes of supernatural horror, violence, and other content that may not be appropriate for all listeners, so please use your discretion. And joining me, as always, the Twins of Trouble, although apparently they don't like to be called that, Chester Lydon and BJ Ingate. I should should join a union. I I don't see the problem. You can't have a union. Protect me from this abuse. The Dark Tides Union. The Dark Tides Union. Of one. Of one. How are we doing, boys? Pretty good. Um, hello, my name's BJ Inge. I play Alistair Stern, a 19-year-old emo with no friends and no job security. Ali works as a night watchman doing odd jobs for his father, the mayor, and he spends his free time in secret pursuing his true calling as an amateur cryptozoologist and detective of the supernatural, and one day I'll memorise that so I don't have to read it off my laptop. And I'm joined by... Hi, I'm Chester. I play Ernest Marsh. One day I'll write down something so that I can actually say it and it's consistently the same. I play Ernest Marsh, who is a once Boy Scout, now turned park ranger in the land of the Hookbar Archipelago. The land of... Sounds very fantasy-esque. The land of fantasy. The the land of the the people of Hookbar, Port (laughs) Staples. And his dream is to own a zoo... But his, his original dream was to be a park ranger and he's finally been given that opportunity. Although everything seems to be kind of falling apart around him with that whole dream. Um, so yeah, uh, fun fact. I'm not sure if we really can commit to the fun fact thing because it it's very much taken from Dungeons and Daddies. Hey, we're not allowed to mention that. We might get sued. We might get sued. Okay. Anthony Birch is going to come after Anthony us. Anthony Birch is going to come after us. Okay. If he um, ever hears this podcast, He's going to come after unlikely. all of us and... Shiv just Chester. Shiv just me. Okay, how about how about this unfun fact about Ernest? Yeah, let's hear some terrible things. Let's so, learn to ter- hate these terrible characters. things. Okay, I so, haven't prepared terrible things. I'm gonna have to think about that. Ernest has ever has only ever broken one bone that he can remember at least, and it was somebody else's. No, no, it was his own. He broke it while playing tennis. So he was playing. Oh, he was playing tennis. His elbow. No, it wasn't tennis elbow. No. So he was playing tennis, and he was pretty good at tennis for a long while there. But something happened. So there was one of those machines that, like, shoots out the tennis ball type of thing. And so he'd been wanting to get better and better so that he could compete and be pretty good at it because he felt like, you know, outdoorsy stuff is very important. And so he, without really knowing, turned up the machine far far too far from its maximum level. In fact, there's usually a code you need to put in to let it go to that point, but it was kind of effective, so it let him go to that that extreme speed. So it started just shooting these things at him. He got a few welts from it and then put up his finger, like his hands, to protect his face. And a tennis ball went flying towards his hand and bent his middle finger back like a right angle and snapped the joint down there and basically just bent it all the way back and poked him in the eye. 
and the ball whacked off his whacked off the front of his forehead. So he is he's deftly afraid of tennis now. <laughs> he really doesn't like Wimbledon. Just the thought of it makes him shudder. Yep. So whenever he sees someone playing tennis, he's just like, ah, oh, their fingers. His um, finger like tingles. <laughs> he just feels it. Any any kind of sports now, he just feels it in that finger. Yep. So that's that's an unfa- unfun fact about. Ernest. Uh, well, I don't really have an unfun fact about Alistair. Are any of them fun, though? Just a boring fact. Uh, well, one of one of the... So, um... How many years did he play World of Warcraft? Um, a few too many. <laughs> a few too many. Occasionally revisits it every now and then. Uh, every time there's a new uh, DLC pack. Yeah, and then he's like, mm, It's not the same. It's not uh, OG. I don't know. There's a reason I switched, there's a reason I switched to Dota. So It's also uh, like $15 a month, whereas Dota's free. Mm. That's so why I like, switched. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. So fun. Fun fact about Alistair. Um, after switching to Dota, he uh, he he started. Um, he he he's, he's been he's been researching uh, conspiracy theories every now and then, um, and he's he currently believes that energy drink companies are potentially the least ethical of all food companies, and he believes that uh, they uh, they either either they add highly addictive, dangerous products into their drinks to make them make people buy them more, or they dump chemicals into the ocean. He's not sure which yet, because like all good conspiracy theories, it kind of contradicts itself a bit. So yeah, he's trying yeah, to yeah. he's trying to work his way through the facts and the red tape to find out what's true and what's not the true. Um, but he's uh, he's he's firmly against energy drinks. In fact he's never been a huge fan, but he's like he's very yeah. Um, okay. just just to be safe, in case either of those particular facts mm-hmm. are true. So when we walked yeah. into Chief Lester's um, room and there was coffee and energy drinks all over the place, mm. did that, did like a little vein start bulging in his head? Oh, he oh he was he was very uh, because see the chief swore that he would uh, see after Alistair told him about this, he said, you know, it's either one of those two things. Uh, the chief was like, "All right, Alistair, I believe you. I'll I'll stop. I'll right. mend my ways. I'll go cold turkey." And oh, he he feels so betrayed. He had no guilt breaking that guy's kneecap. Yeah. So the chief is the chief has gone a long way down in Alistair's estimation. Because uh, he could tell they were fresh. He could tell they were fre- just by the look. He of them. just popped them. <laughs> just but, popping those cans. Oh, uh, let's just move on. <laughs> um, I have a recommendation though. Ooh. I recommend that you, dear listener, play Creeks, which is a puzzle game published by Amanita Design. Uh, came out this year. It's pretty fun. It's one of those side-scrolling, slightly uh, emo-feeling... Oh, Alistair would love that. Yeah, it, love it's, that. it's a fun puzzle game. I've been enjoying it. Check it out. Called Creeks. On with the episode, I suppose. Okay. Let's go. Let's do it. Yep, let's dive right in. Mr. Pop. <laughs> Where we left off last time, Alistair was dangling from a rope uh, about three meters off the ground, mm-hmm. while Ernest, who is on the engine block of a ship that's wrecked on the coast, is trying to pull him up. And Ernest has just realised uh, that there is something, or many somethings, in the water below uh, that have their eyes firmly fixed 
on the delicious morsel that is Alistair. Mm. Okay, I am. I don't think I don't think Alistair would taste very good. Mm. Probably not. It tastes like plaid and sadness. <laughs> I'm going to increase my pull. I'm going to increase my pulling speed. Like, how you doing down there, buddy? Doing all right? Yep. Come on, come on up. Yeah, come on, buddy. Yeah. Ernest, what's wrong? Nothing's wrong at all. The rope's not. The rope's what's fine. Wrong? I gotta I'm look fi- down. You're fine. Don't look. Look at me. Look at me, buddy. Come on. Let's. let's I'm do definitely it. gonna look down now. Okay, as you look down, Alistair, um, you see out of the dark, murky water that you can barely see because the torch is swinging all over the place as you're being hauled up, you see little pale tendrils begin to creep out of the water and wind their way up the engine block itself, (gasps) heading for you. It looks almost like the root system of a plant when you uproot a piece of grass or a weed the thin tangle of root system is starting to work its way and it's also uh, leaking out of the water and up the stairway trying to cut you off from that direction too and it's moving far faster than you would like it to Ernest pull me up faster come on come on I start to climb myself alright um we doing our first roll for the game yeah both of you can roll for me roll for rope climbing ability Okay, I got a five. Okay. I got a seven. Oh, you're climbing faster than Can that. Can I boy. boost that with my very high adrenaline levels for the first time in my entire life? <laughs> no. <laughs> Damn. Seven is fine. Seven is um is pretty good. Partial success, right? Yeah, it's a partial success. So what's going to happen uh, is... <laughs> partial success is I climb up, but he lets go. <laughs> no, partial success is... Um, Ernest, as you are hauling on this rope with increased speed and desperation, you feel something twinge in your back. (laughs) (laughs) And I would like you to take... Oh, that old tennis industry (laughs) injury! (laughs) Roll for chiropractic I would like you to take five damage. Five? That's more damage than I took from the sheriff. No, what? (laughs) The sheriff? The sheriff? The chief. Chief. Ernest needs a physio. Yeah, you you've um you've severely pulled something in your lower back. <laughs> slipped a disc. <laughs> you're still pulling, but Come on, uh, buddy, let's let's you're go. You're right pain. up there. I'm pulling with both arms still. Uh, Alistair, you drop your flashlight. Oh, God damn it! <laughs> no. So now as it spirals down into the dark, the last thing you see before it drops into the water and almost immediately fizzles out and vanishes, uh, is these thin white tendrils are barely a meter below you now and they're starting to reach out from the walls and the stairs and the engine block itself to you who is now scrambling just above them onto the side of the engine block with Ernest. Ernest! And you are now in near pitch darkness. I will point out I gave Alistair two flares when we were in the storage area. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Way back in episode two. Alistair, the... The flare. The what? The flares the flare. I gave you. Oh, oh, right. I reach in, I, I pull one flare out, and I, I, I pop it. Pop it. Bop it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, Bang it, me in the eye or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're, like, I got it. You've fallen into the water. <laughs> you're both temporarily uh, blinded as the flash and fizz of the flare lights up. And now in the eerie red light, you realise that these tendrils are now winding their way around your feet and they're climbing ever higher. And 
they seem to be getting larger as you look down whatever the source is of these things seems to be somewhere deep in the water and these are just mm. the tiny tips of the tendrils that are reaching you now we need to move we need to get out of here and i'm gonna try and burn so is it on my foot now yeah you can i'm gonna try and burn it off with the Oh, you don't, you don't need to roll for that. That's fine. Yes. Um, as you Revenge. As you get it close, the heat, whether it's the heat or the light, it's hard to say, but it starts to shy backwards. Um, not as far or as fast as you would like, but it is trying to avoid getting touched by the heat um, of the flare. Okay, while he's doing this, I'm going to pull the rope off of the piston and I'm going to chuck it using, again, my... Um, I think you mean it. Huck. Huck it. Uh, to the he next has a part of the um, the higher part of the uh, catwalk. All right, so you're essentially you've gone up a level, bypass the broken section yep. that you didn't want to test at your weight on, and now you're basically jumping to the next section yep. from where you are. Um, yeah, you don't need to roll for that because that was part of your survival skills. Mm-hmm. I will. Um, so does this mean you're going to try and swing out to that catwalk? Yep. You're both going to have to roll for that. Okay. I'm going to let him go first and, like, stay behind him with the yeah, flare. Natural 12. Natural 12. Oh, no. You, you should come despite, with me. <laughs> despite the pain in your back, you swing majestically like a true child of the jungle I'm like, and what? land with cat-like precision on the catwalk. I'm like, I've got, I go all the way around. I'm like those people, like the ribbon dancing type of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, with, with amazing grace under pressure, uh, you manage uh, a really quite impressive, elegant dismount as you land on the catwalk. <laughs> and then la- he pulls I his land- back I land- as he stands I up. land in a blade pose as it's like, oh. <laughs> out my back, out my back. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Alistair rolled a five. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, you swing. Say, say it's because he's trying to fend the tendrils off. Yeah, okay. You basically fumble it, grab it, swing, um, and you swing backwards. So you're not looking at where you're going, <laughs> but you're looking at um, the tendrils that are still moving and still reaching for you. And they're working their way along the broken section of catwalk. Uh, trying to find you and basically you hit the railing with your lower back and fall in so you're going to take four damage from basically cracking the your tailbone on so now we're both going to be running up these stairs like holding our backs like (laughs) old men yep (laughs) we both actually aged you are both going to move slower because of these injuries god damn it why do i ever say anything Sounds bad. Like, uh, okay, I'm going to. Seeing that Alice is all right, I'm going to pull the rope up and uh, wind it over my shoulder. I'm going to make for the stairs. I'm going to push him yep. ahead of me. I'm like, all right, keep moving, keep moving. Yep. Um, you, you are not far the, from the stairs. I still got the flare. Yeah. So just to reiterate the situation, um, you are on the second of three levels of the engine room. At the very top, there is the stairs that will take you to um, the deck of the ship, and. Between you and them, essentially, there's one stretch of catwalk and some steel stairs that will lead you up to that level where you can finally get into the stairwell and out. So that's where you're heading. Mm -hmm. All right. As you power along... um, Power walk along this catwalk. Power, power. (laughs) Yeah, you power walk because you can't run. Um, (laughs) (laughs) These tendrils are now realising that you're moving faster. They start tearing at at the... catwalk and the stairs themselves that they are latched onto and you hear the rending screech of metal as a section of the catwalk that was already damaged is pulled down and then another is pulled down behind you and you realize it's now a race against time 
to get there before the tendrils pull down the structure that you're running on. I'm just running like, this is not a jellyfish. This is not a jellyfish. This is this is like a this is like a squid. <laughs> okay. Um, instead of getting you guys to roll because you rolled a heap of luck things, um, I rolled for the luck of the monster and it only got a three. Oh, thank you. So right. basically it manages to pull a large section right down on top of it um, and then it kind of sh uh, shudders and recoils a little bit and you guys mount the stairs up towards um, the third and final section of the engine room. Okay. As you continue up the stairs, across the engine room... Um, to the other side, you can see that there is another door on this same level that you are heading to, uh, and the door is half open. From the reflected light of your flare, both of you catch a glimpse um, of broken railings leading to, to this door. Essentially, you can't see any way to get there. Um, the catwalk is broken, broken on both sides, but you can see this open door and inside you see a bed and clothes on the floor. You see a child's drawing on the wall and books and papers. And while you're both hurrying, you both know that there must have been someone or more than one person living here not too long ago. Am I about to oh. Indiana Jones over this gap? <sighs> If you want to try, I will let you try. I will not try. <laughs> I don't want to die. So you mount the stairs up to the top floor. Um, you find the stairwell and you head up those stairs and you emerge blissfully into the open air of the cool night as you stand on the deck of the Blue Gull Wreck. Uh, all around you, there are more weathered, rusted shipping containers, some fallen on their side, some toppled over, but many still standing. Um, as you move away from the stairwell for safety, you can see what feels like a very long way away, uh, the flashing red and blue lights of Bernie's patrol vehicle. And in the distance, um, you can see more lights heading that way. Um, but you can't see much movement. I'm going to give my uh, radio back to Ernest. Right. Ernest, try the radio, see if you can get hold of Bernie. I'm going to have a look around. And I'm also going to try and seal the door that we just came from just to make sure nothing comes back up through. Okay. Is that possible? You have tinkering, don't you? Yes. Then you can just use that skill to... You can, you'll find something to bar the door. Great. You can tell me how. Okay. Um... Yeah, I just, I just close it and maybe I can find like a, a shipping container door or something that's fallen off and I like jam that under the handle. Okay. Chair chair style. <laughs> sure, you can, find you, go, a, you can find a piece of metal to jam under You put the up a, yeah. a, uh, a shipping container door and then you put a wooden door, wooden uh, chair against that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hold that there. Um, okay, I switch on the walkie-talkie. exactly what I do. Hello, it this is... This crackles is, into life. This is uh, Ernest Marsh, uh, park ranger. Come in, come in anyone? There Bernie? is distortion and crackling um and then you you hear faintly um through the crackle um Ernest Ernie is that you Ernest come in can you hear me yes this is Ernest I can faintly hear you we are on top of the ship at the moment we've made our way to the top floor I can I can see the flare you boys were supposed to say put underground there was a lot of water this was the highest we could get to avoid the water okay 
Okay, that's my mistake. I did tell you to get out of the water. I, I understand now. But please, please just stay where you are. Help is on the way. Uh, we're going to find on, another Alice, way. Hold on, Alistair's barring the door. Uh, uh, Alistair, people might need to get through there. Oh, we'll resolve that. We'll, we'll, we'll be up here. the door. We'll, we'll be up here. Um, and like, all right, hold on, hold on. Um, I'll be back in a second. And it clicks and back to crackle. He's put me on hold. Um, okay, as you watch more lights um, appear as the cars, uh, there seem to be possibly an ambulance and another police car. Um, and then behind them, a fire truck. <laughs> come round the, the um, fire round, truck. Yeah, the only fire truck on the island. Come round the bend. So as you stand watching these vehicles pull up, um, you hear a sound which sounds like something breaking. It's the smashing of glass. And then you hear a thump as a chunk of metal controls lands about 20 metres from you. As you turn around, you can see a figure manically waving at you from the control tower, the bridge of this ship, uh, where she has smashed the glass and thrown something at you. Gina! I flick on the walkie-talkie. Uh, we might have a situation here. <laughs> Gina, is that you? It's me, Alistair. Yeah, uh, she's yelling, but you can't, you can't hear her well. You're gonna start running towards. I'm approaching with moderate tower, caution. <laughs> All right, as you move forwards, um, it occurs to you that you were able to hear her on the radio before. Yep, I'll flick it over uh, to different channels. Hello, Gina? Gina? Um, try a different channel. Gina? Um, finally, you hear the crackle of her voice, slightly distorted and out of breath. Like, finally, I've been calling for so long. Total break of protocol. Okay, you two... I need immediate support right now. Move. Don't worry, Gina. We blocked the door. There's no way that weird technically thing. Ernest, up. come on. Wow. Ernest, was it? Yeah. Ernest, that's fantastic. Only I'm pinned down up here and I need a way out. I've had to block my only way out. So I need assistance. Well, they've got the, um, they've got the, uh, the, the, the track. The I truck can see the lights. Extend, it's got those like, extendy ladder things. You can hear through the crackle and gargle of her voice something breaking she goes ah, damn it gina out <sighs> ah back for some more eh come on come on gina oh wait she means from up there not from just off the okay i'll start running with uh, alistair <laughs> finally i will pull it be pulling my rope out and starting to swing that as well to try and hook it up to where she is well, yeah, so there, there is a railing, but that is, yeah, that's two stories, three stories high. I can make is that. Is there any other way to climb up? Um, is there anything? Not on the exterior that you can see, but there is the internal stairs. Okay. So you're heading towards the bridge, and yep. so on a ship, cargo ship, uh, that is essentially the tower that's um, three quarters the, of the way could down. Could climb onto the containers and get higher? Or I'm just going to try and hook from uh, scaffold to scaffold to scaffold. That's a lot of hooking and a lot of... That's a lot of rolls. <laughs> I mean. there, is, there isn't an obvious way for you from here to get down. Do you want to roll for me to find a different way? Yep. I'll roll I got well. a nine. Oh, okay. Yep. I got a seven. Okay. Um, Alistair trips and uh, loses concentration. Ah. 
Oh, that's a success. That's higher than a five. No, no. Set five to seven is partial. Partial success. Mm. Um, so, Ernest, basically you could figure out that you, if you were to climb some of these shipping containers, and for that you would need something to stand on or to kind of be able to throw or boost each other up, you could probably work your way high enough that with luck you could um, hook a rope up onto the mm-hmm. um, balcony on the observation deck. But it's a long way. You can also go. Th- you also know that you can go through the interior, but there does seem to be something on the inside that she is defending herself against. Well, I kind of look at Alice and was like, we can climb up, but I feel like the most direct way is to go through. Now... The things we've interacted with so far don't seem, whatever like the rabies thing was and whatever that weird octopus thing was, doesn't seem to like the light. We have a bunch of flares. We can distract whatever that thing is that's attacking you, either if, either if it's the squid thing or another person that's got the weird rabies thing. We can distract them with the flares for enough time to get Gina out and down and then we can barricade this door here. I think you should climb up the containers and get a rope across to her. I'll try and go through the middle. Okay, that works. I'll give you the um, another two flares, mm-hmm. and I'm going to uh, go to the shipping containers and try and make my way up those. Oh, so you're separating? Yeah. yeah. We're splitting the party. We're splitting the party. <clears throat> okay. Because um, I feel like I, I agree with... Like, we have to get Gina out somehow, but... Okay, we're going to follow Alistair first. So, Alistair, you duck forwards and head inside the tower Mm -hmm. that is the bridge, and you come first into a corridor. There's doors to the left and to the right um, with plaques on them. As you run down, you can see that one says kitchen, the other says mess hall. As you reach the end of that corridor, it branches left and right. On the far left-hand side, there is a door that says fuse room. On the far right hand is another corner and a door that says storage. Uh, I'm going to go to the fuse room. Okay. So you run... um, The door is closed. Okay. Is it locked? Do you want to try it? Yeah, I'll try it. You try the door. It is not locked. Does it open? You want to open it? (laughs) It's fine. (laughs) Yeah. I'm I'm more... Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was thinking if it was locked, I would leave it and, and carry but yeah, I'll... Okay. no, the door is not locked. Uh, as you pull it open, you step into a dark room that seems to have banks of fuses. Um, you've never really seen something like this. This is kind of old technology. Mm. And as you step in, are you using a, f- a flare for light at the moment? Yeah, because I don't have a torch anymore. So Okay, so Ernest gave you two flares. Yes, and then I... That means he has three. I've got three spares plus the one I'm using because I had two already. Unless the one I'm using is burnt out already. I would say that you're probably down to two spares in the one that you're using because I don't think they last yeah. more than maybe 10 minutes. I think between the lighting the one on the yeah. the engine block and I'd now probably, that's probably, probably one. Lit, so I'd say you have two spares. Another one. Okay. So standing in this room in the red glow, um, you realise that this place has been trashed. Okay. There's chunks pulled out of fuse boxes. There's wires scattered everywhere. And there's a strange smell. It's like uh, rotting seaweed. It's something salty oh. and foul and like decay. Ah, oh. 
Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna roll to see if I notice anything unusual, mm-hmm. apart from what you've just described. That's uh, a nine. Okay, with a nine, you hear before you see a sound that you have never heard before. It's unlike the sound that Chief Lester made. Okay, but it's a gurgling, throaty growl and slinking towards the light, staying outside of the sphere of light from your Mm -hmm. flare is something humanoid in this room with you. (laughs) Oh, all right. What are you going to do? Oh, man, that's really hard. I'm going to call out to it. What do you say? Gina? No, of course that's not Gina. Stupid alley. It backs up. And you lose its shape in the dark shadows and the flickering red reflections. No, hey, come, come back. You hear a scrabbling as it climbs one of these stacks of fuses. And it's now somewhere above you in the tangle of wires and ducting. Hmm. Okay. I think I'm going to back towards the door. <laughs> okay. I'm going to close the door on this whole situation. I'm very tempted to throw the flare at it. (laughs) That's okay. But Um, I also only have two left, so... So you're you're going for the door. Yeah, make a roll for me. Because I imagine I'm, like, maybe three steps into the room. Yeah. Uh, That's also a nine. Okay. Sorry, sorry, no, six. Six. That's okay. Um, It got a four. So as you (laughs) move backwards, you start to hear the scrabble as it moves forwards and as you swing the door closed you hear you feel the thud of an impact as it dives from whatever it was on in the ceiling or the ducting and hits the door with its shoulder and you can hear the low gurgling growl inside the room as you (laughs) close the door all right we cut to Ernest what is Ernest doing so Ernest is uh using the the metal bars on the side of the shipping containers that you usually pull up to open them as footings to climb up them. So they're at the middle point, so it makes it much easier to climb up them. Okay. So I'm climbing up a series of those to try and get up as high as I can. All right. Yep. Just give me a general roll for physically how you're going. That's a nine. Okay. As a nine, you are tired and you are sore. But you are making pretty good progress and pretty fast. You can see Gina's shape moving backwards and forwards um, against the light that she has up in the bridge. Mm. Um, You can hear the far off clanging of something banging on the door or possibly her banging on the door. It's hard to tell from here, but you're starting to make good ground. What's your plan? Uh, so my plan is to get up as high as I can and then call out to her and hook the rope onto the banistrate closest to her so that she can climb down and onto the shipping containers with me. Okay. While you're doing this and you're getting fairly high, you look behind you and you can see that there is activity down far below um, as the emergency services have organized and have started heading out. Um, you can see that they've got the fire truck as close as they can to the ship and they're starting to extend um, the ladder. Okay, I'm taking a lot of... That's spearing on my confidence that we're no longer alone in all this and so I'm going to start climbing faster. Great. Okay, we're going to cut back to Alistair. All right. So let me just... 
All right, so Alistair's had an idea. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to go to the storage room. Yep. And I'm looking for one of those... You know how they use, like, with cargo boxes and stuff, they have those big nets that they use mm-hmm. to, like, secure them down. I'm looking for a net. <laughs> uh, okay. Or something I can use like a net. Basically, my thought is I'm going to try and set up some kind of trap, open the door, and, like, <laughs> I want to capture whatever's in there in the net. Okay, you are, yeah, you, your priorities have shifted. Yeah, your priorities oh, very have much a so. lot. Um, okay. Yeah, so you open the storage door, and you realize that this is basically the kitchen storage. Okay. So what you're finding in here is not really industrial... Um, mm netting equipment but what you are finding is um, knives no canned no the canned yeah. food there is some kitchen implements absolutely yeah um there is cleaning stuff there's um caustic soda there's cleaning acids mm. um there's all sorts of um burn the child stainless steel polish which you know is very flammable yeah um a number of other things so what do you want to take it's hard because I don't really want to kill it until I know what it is. But I want to... Uh, I yeah, would also yeah, yeah. say that kitchen storage, you can probably find some tablecloths. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Sailors use tablecloths. Of course. Yeah. With their <laughs> silverware. All right. What I'm going to do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look for some kind of tablecloth or mm-hmm. some piece of fabric. Um... And what I'm thinking is if I can... Maybe maybe I find, like, a big pot or something that I can put this all in so I can carry it in one trip. Yeah, you could find a big pot. Um, maybe, like, some some cans or something to weigh the corners of it down. Not, like, enough that it could run away. But I'm hoping to tangle it in the cloth and lace the cloth with polishing liquid. Okay, yep. So I'm gonna try and catch it, and then if that goes badly, I can set fire to the cloth. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna hopefully use my tinkering ability to fashion some kind of a trap. Um, just as you are coming out of the storage unit with your pot full of paraphernalia, <laughs> waddling down, um, <laughs> looking to your left, you see that this is the corner that you had originally seen. Yep. Um, leads to a staircase, and coming down this staircase, you can hear a similar sound to the one you just heard inside the fuse room. Okay. And you can hear scrabbling, scratching, and banging on some kind of metal surface. Okay. Right. I'm going to call that Gina. Gina, is that you? You can hear a slam. What sounds like a door being opened and then closed very hard, and Gina swearing. <laughs> Gina! It's me, Alistair! Uh, you don't hear her talking anymore. You just keep hearing the same scrabbling, growling. And then there is a bang uh, <laughs> as the door opens again and a whimper and Gina saying something uh, we won't mention. <laughs> we're already family friendly. We're we're get out of it. We're explicit in different ways on this podcast. <laughs> we're explicitly violent and um, very dark, but, but we won't but, swear. But no foul language, thank you very no, much. Keep that out of my podcast, thank you very much. <laughs> We don't want to earn the explicit tag on iTunes. Not yet. No, thank you. It makes it way harder for it to come up on the podcast thing. 
Anyway, yeah. Can Alice do something, please? I mean, Ernest, do something, please. Absolutely. We'll cut back to Ernest. Uh, Ernest, you've now reached the top, the highest you can on these um, stacked shipping containers. All right. I'm going to call out to Gina. Gina! Gina, I'm over here. I can get you down. Um, there's a pause, and then a head sticks out of the... Um, Just the head. The, win- the broken window. Not connected And to you me. can see the, the, the short... Bob cut blonde hair um, that you recognize from some of the photos in uh, Chief Lester's office um, of his daughter, Gina, but also one of the Ranger team. She sticks her head and goes, What are you doing? I am, uh, well, I was told when I first arrived here that I was having to. I don't have time for this. My process of becoming an actual park ranger. I had to, I was basically on duty from the moment I arrived here. Where's the so other I'm, one? I'm being a park ranger. Where I get, oh, Alistair, oh, he's, he's in there somewhere. <laughs> she ducks her head, sighs, and goes, Look, hold on just a second. <laughs> and ducks back in. I'm going to hook the rope on. You hear another smash of glass, but this time from the inside rather than from the outside. And Gina going, nope, no, 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 no. I'm going to hook the... She's like disciplining a cat. Like I'm going to hook the rope onto the balustrade. All right. Yeah, you don't need to roll for that because it's part of your skill. Wonderful. Are you going to just hope that she comes down or are you going to try and climb up? I'm going to try and climb up. All right, give me a roll for the strength of that. My strength. I got a seven. Um, hmm. That's a success. Okay. You get uh, three quarters of the way up and then the balustrade kinks and starts to bend Uh... out from you and you feel the shudder as your rope starts to drop a little bit. We're going to cut from there back to Alistair. All right. Uh, Alistair, what are you doing while uh, your friend is, I mean, I say friend, is dangling from a rope two stories off the ground? Well, Alistair's changed tack because the trapping, because the th- like he, it was, he was hoping that there was just one behind the door and he was going to try and trap it, which by what he's hearing is not the case. So what he's going to do is he's going to take the cans that he's got and he's going to put them inside the 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 tablecloth he's got he's going to fashion it into like a like a mace weapon <laughs> okay <laughs> which is it's also still laced with so he could also set it on fire but he's not going to do that yet okay and is he heading up the stairs or is he heading into the fuse room he's heading up the stairs now all right so as he's you... heard something up there so wow he's... alistair's doing something for the team <laughs> yeah <laughs> all right so as you head up the Actually, corridor hold, hold, can i can i just explain that again yep so Alistair is now changing tack um, because after hearing what he's heard from the stairs, he's he's not forgotten about the fuse room, but I mean, his plan was to, to try and trick the thing in the fuse, which clearly there's more than one of them. So what he's going to do, he's going to take three or four cans that he's found, put them inside the uh, the tablecloth to fashion like a mace weapon. And he's going to douse just the end with the cans with some of the polishing, li- flammable polishing liquid, which he's hoping to set on fire if the situation calls for it and he's going to head up the stairs okay well because you're using your tinkering skill that means that all will work fine you can do that that's good um, as you he's going to put that the pan on his head no he's not going to do that <laughs> <laughs> as you jog up the stairs uh, around the corner and you are now a straight shot um, down a, one corridor to the door where you now see 
three of these same humanoid but weirdly wrong shapes. These creatures are strange. Humanoid, but the proportions are all wrong. They have barrel chests and squat heads, long arms that almost reach the ground, and powerful hind legs. Their skin is a mottled blue-gray, leathery and thick like a seal. Their faces are inhuman, wide, impossibly wide mouths holding rows of jagged teeth. The noses are non-existent, just holes, six of them maybe. Worst of all are the eyes, lidless, black liquid, just staring, ever staring. And you can see that they've broken through the glass porthole of the door. And from the other side, you can see Gina with a fire extinguisher jamming it through the glass <laughs> into these creatures as they're, they're sticking arms through and they're trying to find a way through the door. They haven't yet seen you, nor has Gina. Yeah, take that, you jack, nasty-faced freak. Gina. She goes, what? Oh, for the... Gina, it's me, Alistair. <laughs> it's me. I am here. Thank you, Alistair. Where are the police? I'm going to uh, use the flare in my right hand to light the end of the mace weapon and start swinging. I'm like, Gina, stand back. And I'm going to start running down the corridor towards the door, swinging my flaming can weapon. Okay. I am the police. I am the police here. <laughs> I am death, destroyer of worlds. I am the destroyer of worlds. Okay, because oh, this is not a straightforward self-defense type it's situation. It's kind of a self-defense situation. A burning tin of baked beans in a cloth is not. This is not the first time Alistair's. <laughs> so you are going to roll. You have now alerted them to your presence. Yeah, I don't know yelled. why you oh, shouted. Absolutely. All right, so roll for me. Well, I don't want to set Gina on fire. She's in the door. <laughs> <laughs> That's a one. A natural disaster. <laughs> oh, no. Alright. It was gonna be so epic. Oh, I was so we're, excited. We're gonna die. We're right. gonna die. As, <laughs> as you start running down the corridor towards whatever these creatures are, you Jeez, jam you have to rescue me. You jam your flare into the end of your self-made mace, burning mace. Um, and it catches fire. As you start running down the corridor, spinning your burning <laughs> can of beans, uh, the fire moves much faster than you're expecting and starts licking up your arm and catching your sleeve. Oh, no. No. No, Gina! 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 Extinguish me! Swearing like a sailor, Gina slams the fire extinguisher into the face of one of these creatures still trying to get through the porthole of the door and shoulders the door open. Meanwhile, Ernest Marsh <laughs> clambers over the railing that is starting to buckle under the weight and flops through the broken window into the bridge. In time to see a burning Alistair, three <laughs> inhuman creatures flailing on the ground and Gina as she grabs Alistair by the shirt hauls him inside the door and then slams it behind her. Now, Alistair, I'd just like to... Actually, I think I'll just roll damage for just you roll since you're, she would your clothes are burning. Out, right? yeah. uh, you're only going to take two 
damage. Oh, so some minor burns to your fine. arm as avoiding the uh, the arm coming through the door. Gina also sprays you down with the fire extinguisher. And she goes, fat lot of good you guys were. <laughs> hey, guys. <laughs> I kind of just wave. <laughs> she goes, all right, someone give me a hand with this door. Find something to barricade it. They broke through the last thing. I kind of just pat them up by the pockets of my pants. Just useless. Around. I absolutely useless. Everything. And I stand up and help her with the door. Um, as they gnash and try to bite. These are not the same creatures as whatever the the deer and Lester were, and this is not the same thing that was in the engine room. I'm just kind of just like shrugging. It's like, what is wrong? What is wrong with this island? I'm here for like five hours. Uh, is this what? What have I gotten myself into? I I don't even have like a commanding chief anymore, and like this lady. Ernest, just, can you just do something? This lady's just angry and swearing all the time. Just, like, how is that the behavior of a good hit them park ranger? With something, please. I pull out a pocket knife from my pocket. Oh, that's like, gonna do a whole lot. I was like, I'm not an attacky type of person. All right, I do this job because I love animals. Ernest, and I love the the wilderness. Can you at least start finding bashing things with a burning find towel. A out of here I before tried. we get killed. That was the point of this, was to get out. Well, find something else. Enough. She takes a long, deep breath. She centers herself and then glares at both of you. Ernest, get that rope. Secure it. I said go. Okay, okay I go over and I check the rope. Um, yeah, basically the balcony that you've tied it to is kind of weak, but the rope is still fine and it's still there. Okay, so I you can tie it onto part of the building itself rather than the railing. Yeah, I'll do that. Okay. Meanwhile, Alistair, uh, Gina turns to you and goes, okay, on the count of three, you are going to go. You're going to bolt for the rope. You and the other guy are going to go down. I am going to cover what the... You, what are you going I to am do? going to cover the escape. Gina. Don't... Back sass me, you little frog. I'm going like, to pop my head over like, the purpose of this venture was to rescue you, not to rescue the two of us. Well, clearly, you are cannot be trusted. We are going to have words. If you apparently are a park ranger, if Dad actually hired you, we are going to have words. Now get down that rope. Kind of like shoulders slump. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> right, you start climbing down the, climb down the rope. All right. Alistair, she turns to you and goes, on the count of three, you uh, run. Okay. Fine. Your funeral. Three, two, one. I run. Uh, as soon as you are halfway across the room, she launches forwards after you and they crash through the door. She turns on her heel and starts spraying them down with the fire extinguisher as she is moving backwards. Uh, roll for me for getting down the rope. That's a six. All right. Um, you That's a start. Ten. Okay. Um, Ernest is already at the bottom holding the rope. Um, he's the shipping containers, uh, helping guide you down. As you come down, you basically lose your grip on the last meter or so and get and fall. And okay. so you're just going to take a little bit more damage. I will catch him. Uh, both of you roll for that. Actually, okay. just, just Ernest roll. Okay. Just me? That's an 11. Okay, as an 11, you're just going to take one damage because Ernest breaks your fall. Okay. Uh, behind you, 
you can see from the light of the... Um, Betty catches me on my burnt arm. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're complaining about. You hit my burnt arm. By, by the light of the lantern that Gina left in the, um, in the bridge, you can see her back out of the broken window uh, onto the railing and you can see one of the creatures as she runs out of extinguisher fluid uh, launches after her and she smacks it a good one with the fire extinguisher and then grabs the rope and starts pushing back. I'm going to light off all my last flares and I'm going to try and chuck it into that area. Because when it first goes off, my aim is actually no, I'll chuck it unlit because I believe if it, when they, they hit something, they're usually light, and that first burst is their brightest. Don't you have to pull the cap off? Isn't but if it hits it? something hard, then often the cap breaks anyway. Like, they're pretty fragile, I okay. believe. So, okay. I got an 11 again! Okay, so you throw the flare almost perfectly and land it on the, um, on the bridge just at Gina's feet at the same time that the creature grapples her. And the flash and sudden light shocks them both and they tumble backwards over the railing. Gina's still holding the rope and begin basically falling uh, as she attempts to stop the momentum. Um, and they stop as with a jolt halfway down the rope and Gina is hanging on with this creature latched onto her leg. I... You can hear her swearing and kicking the thing. <laughs> I'm going to grab the the rope and pull it along so that there's basically no chance that she can fall off the side of it and onto the, like, down. The uh, If she falls, the only direction she can fall is onto the um, the actual the shipping container. container. Okay. Yeah, okay. Now uh, give me a roll just for the strength can, and also for the dexterity to get that. Can Al- Ernest, yeah, uh, you, Alistair Alistair can help you? Yeah, yeah. All right, I got a uh, seven. Two. Seven out of two. Okay. Um, yeah. Okay. That yeah. makes nine. <laughs> that's, that's not how these kind of rolls <laughs> work. Okay. So you manage to jiggle the rope and try to pull them out so that they won't fall down past. Um, and as you do so, Gina's grip fails and she falls. She did roll uh, pretty well though. So Gina's grip fails and she drops. She slams into the um, shipping container and falls to the one below you. Um, so she only falls the distance of one. And the creature falls the full distance, the full three stories down. Mm-hmm. And so you hear the groan as Gina hits the metal below you. All right, I'll uh, jump down to her. All right, as you um, jump down, you can hear other voices shouting um, commands as the fire department fan out across the um, ship's deck heading straight for you. Are you going to check her? Mm-hmm. So, all right, you don't need to roll. This is okay. medical. All right, so you check Gina. She is unconscious and she's bleeding from one ear. Um, she has most probably broken a leg, maybe done more damage to the leg than that but she is alive and she is remarkably well given the fall and everything else that's happened to her. Mm. All right, so I pull my last flare out, light it and mark our spot for the people running towards us. Yeah, you hear shouts as people are directed. 
So within two minutes, Bernie is clambering up the shipping container to you and he claps you on the back and goes, are you okay? And he's checking Gina. Okay. Alistair? Where's Alistair? Ali? I'm here. I'm okay. Right. Randy? Randy, can you please go get Alistair? Oh, you got it. Don't you even worry. And he tries to jump up on the shipping container like three times and just fails. And he's just like, no, you come down. You come down here. Yeah, but yeah you come to me. You come to me, Sunshine. I'll got you. Alistair. I got you, Ali. Don't you worry. All right, I'll catch you. I'll catch you. Jump down to me. I got you, Sunshine. Don't worry. I got you. Randy, Randy, there are... There are stairs, Randy. Don't worry. Don't worry, Ali. I've got you. By this point, Alistair has stood up, walked around, down the stairs, and is just standing behind Randy, <laughs> who is still looking up. It's like, I got gotcha. you. I'll catch you. Um, Randy, um, ah, where'd you come from? <laughs> like, punches you. <laughs> <laughs> yep, he, um, he bops you a good one on the nose. Oh, no. It's like, oh. It's like sorry, sorry. Ah. Ow. No, no, he hits my burnt arm. Oh, okay. <laughs> Randy! God. Ah! Ow! <laughs> I just push past him. <laughs> Alright, he's fuming on the inside. The, the other police officers, um, a paramedic from the ambulance and um, the fire crew swarm and they take Gina, they put her on um, one of the stretches and tie her in. They check that she's okay and they basically confirm what Ernest already knew, that she is probably concussed and unconscious, that the leg is most definitely broken. Yeah. Right, so as you are swaddled in heat blankets and you are led back to where the fire crew got onto the ship, um, it occurs to you, Alistair, that the creature that tried to grapple Gina fell and fell an awful long way mm -hmm. so I'm going to take my phone out of the Ziploc bag and I'm going to like grab Ernest and pull him aside Ernest Ernest come with me I'm, I'm going to go take a picture of that thing if it's still there I want proof I'm not going to he's not going to really meet your your eye it's just going to be like man it's Ernest come on let's go it, Ernest let, let them Ernest, do their thing come on Mate, mate, we're not going to get another Alistair. chance like this. Alistair. Okay, fine. I'll it's, go on my own. It's over, okay? It's, it's no, done. No, it's, I... Um, as I'm, the, I'm just going to walk away from you. Ernest! God, fine, all right. I turn around and I go on my own. So you sneak past uh, Bernie, who is directing things, and individually you both assess the stress that you have taken over the last maybe seven or eight hours um because they are different kinds of stress and your characters are different they're going to respond differently but you've both gone through quite a lot so you're both going to take eight stress damage right so you have a total of 15 when you reach 15 you will basically break down be too exhausted and um incapable of of really functioning in the situation anymore so mm -hmm. luckily this has happened towards the end the accumulated stress but Alistair, as Ernest is led away, you duck back into the shadows behind this mm -hmm. tower of um, shipping containers. And as you round the corner with the light on your phone, you see a dark pool of, it doesn't seem like blood exactly, 
um, but you don't know what it is, and a trail as this creature has hit the ground, and whether it's got up of its own accord or whether it has been moved, something has moved it. No, it's, and not, you, it's not here. It's... Okay. You follow the trail and round the corner and heading towards the back of the ship as the sea spray and the wind start to move in as dawn approaches and um, the weather turns. As you round the corner, you can see the creature hauling itself over the railing, ready to drop down into the water. And you have an opportunity to take a photo. Yep. Yep. So roll for that. Yep. Eight. With an eight, you get a pretty clear photo. It's hard to tell everything, uh, and the colour isn't great, but you can tell that this is a humanoid creature, that its skin is strange and um, almost aquatic, seal-like even. It's thick and rubbery, Mm -hmm. and its eyes are black, and where there should be a nose, there is not much of anything. And that's what you get. Okay. Um, I think relief of being alive but also having the knowledge that he actually now has a cloud storage backup photo (laughs) of this creature I think I kind of just like sink to my knees and it like finally hits me how exhausted and not in a good way I am so later that morning as dawn is breaking both Alistair and Ernest separately arrive home Um, Bernie drives Ernest back to the ranger's station and he takes you to the cabins and he rattles the doors and he basically finds the one that's being prepared for you and with a really incredible amount of gentleness Bernie kind of shows you in he goes I'm guessing this is not what you were expecting for the first day on the island I just shake my head and shrug a little listen um well the chief is still missing and Gina is going to be in the hospital. I will give you a call in the morning when we know how she's doing. She will probably uh, want to talk to you, but I think right now it's probably best that you you get some rest. So maybe get cleaned up. Um, here's my number. He hands you a card. And he goes, if you need anything, um, anything at all, just, just give me a call. All right, he leaves you. Meanwhile, Alistair... You are returned to your car and you were given a police escort home. Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. And you turn up to the Stern family residence, which is a pretty grand but old um, house on a hill above the town um, that has a beautiful view of the bay and the islands just as the sun is creeping up. And you realise your dad's car is not there. Oh. As you enter the house, um, you can see that dinner was obviously had, but there's no one home, which is not uncommon. Your dad leaves at odd hours. He comes home at odd hours. The nature of his job is that he is always working, or at least that is what he tells you. Okay. So you head up to your attic room, Mm -hmm. and what does Alistair do? So Alistair opens the door to a room uh, littered with mostly empty deodorant cans, um, uh, there's 
just a single window on the on the far side of the room on the apex it's just a round window that's just letting light into a very dusty very dark room um, the walls are littered with uh, photographs and documents and he has a, a small fridge in one corner which he opens and he takes out a small carton of chocolate milk which he opens and starts drinking as he sits down in his chair and opens up his computer to start transferring all the photos from his adventure from from the past nights and he, he takes an ice pack from the freezer and puts that on his arm and he starts working through his notes of uh, that he's had, that he's been building up and collect collecting over the years of strange disappearances and he's starting to put things together um, and link them with what he's seen over the last few hours. Although Alistair is, is he's in quite a lot of pain, he's exhausted, he's very overwhelmed by everything that's just happened, he has this um, sense of clarity and purpose in his mind when, as he works and as he starts typing the events um, into a document on his computer he has this this sense of purpose that he hasn't felt for a very long time and this sense of achievement and almost a fanatical excitement to what he's discovered um almost as though the events aren't even affecting him and he's just completely consumed by this work and excited and um filled with a sense of yeah purpose okay and what is Ernest doing? Ernest is uh, putting his bag down next to his bed, checking that the, the notes and all that type of stuff are still in there, and just notices how much his hands are shaking and starts to try and fight back the urge to vomit and to throw up. And he goes to the bathroom and just starts feeling really, really hot and and flustered. And he pulls off his, his shirt. As Ernest pulls off his shirt we see the network of scars that run from his shoulders down to his hip. Deep scars that have healed over, leaving ridges behind. We see what look like bite marks, and we see skin that is not fully healed. And Ernest shakily washes his face and looks at himself in the mirror. And he says... It's all right. We've got this. He had it. We've got it. Dark Tides is Chester Lydon as Ernest Marsh, BJ Ingate as Alistair Stern, and me, Aubrey Lydon, as your host and narrator. If you enjoy our show, please rate and review us on iTunes and recommend the show to friends and family. Word of mouth is still the best way to help new listeners find and enjoy what we do here. You can check out our Patreon at www.patreon.com darktides. We have a pile of bonus content available, such as our after show, Breaking Tides, a community Discord server, and much more. To get news and updates on the show, you can find us on Twitter at twitter.com slash darktidespod and Facebook at facebook.com slash darktidespod. We will see you in two weeks with the next episode, but until then, stay safe. Stay safe.